This is Tim Campbell from Visceral Decay, Wartoke, and Fairhaven, and you're experiencing Poppet's Corner. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Poppet's Corner. Thoroughly excited, as always, to be doing this. And especially on today's episode, I got the wonderful Mr. Lucas Hockley of Dismissed and a bunch of other killer projects, which we will get into. But Lucas, how are you doing, man? Thanks again for coming on the show and hanging. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. Great to be here. I am so excited. How are you? I'm good. Why are you yelling? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm messing with the uh, the gain on my... Uh, is that what my... that is? Yeah. Awesome. Man. Well, thanks again, like I said, for coming on and, and hanging. I, I hope you're doing well. It seems like you're you know cozy in your makeshift studio there i love it thank you I'm very so, cozy. It's called yeah, makeshift this, i like it well this is, this is hey. solid this is this is the fully okay, functioning makeshift solid studio how about that thank you there mine's you a makeshift to, to make you feel better so it's all good it <laughs> okay so the basis of the show is is i'm literally gonna go through your entire career and just talk music with you for the next few minutes to an hour to two hours however long the fucking episode is so if you're ready i'd love to get started with you heck yeah man love it so give me kind of your first recollections of just hearing music for the first time and what were the bands that that did it for you at first okay that no one's ever asked me this but i do i know i do know this now i don't think anything counts that you just hear in the background like when you're a small child and you just hear stuff in the radio on the radio that doesn't matter because you like stuff because it's around you but really the first thing that got me where i was like "Ooh, that is cool and this was long before i was a metal guy because i used to skateboard and i liked skateboard videos and the first song that popped out to me was hallowed be thy name which was on one of the the zero videos it was uh, i think it was jamie thomas's thing when he when he jumped off of the the school the the second two-story thing and i was like wow that's awesome and then another zero video had prowler by iron maiden so i was like whoa this band is like actually cool but then um i heard uh, night of the living dead by the misfits and another one and then i just like that was something where i just immediately gravitated towards i was like i just want to hear more of that and then iron maiden was just kind of like in the back of my head but then i just misfits okay gonna listen to this and then I had another friend that liked punk. And this was all when I was in middle school. I was like 12 years old. And then he just would download music all day. And then he would just burn CDs. So I think that the next CD that I listened to, just like front to back, was Living in Darkness by Agent Orange. And then just slowly, slowly, I just became the punk guy. Until I was in high school. And then I just befriended some random guy. I don't remember how he started talking to me and dj knows this guy too but he just i don't know why he was talking to me but he just he, he came up to me during lunch and he said permission to land i was like what and then he goes and then he sits down it was the weirdest thing and then he just asked me what i'm listening to <coughs> excuse me and i and i mentioned where eagles dare it is a misfit song but he's like oh by iron maiden i was like Oh yeah, Iron Maiden. I like that band. Did they do a version of Where Eagles Dare? He's like, oh, they probably did it way before them. And then just 
And I was like, I don't know. Misfits kind of old. And then from there, he's like, oh, we should have listened to Iron Maid. And then we just started swapping music. And then he slowly became the punk guy. And then I just became the metal guy. And that was, that was me in high school. So what, and I just what did, grew from there. What did punk do for you at first, though, compared to other styles of, of music? Because I'm sure you, like you said, you mentioned outside things around you don't really count. I'm sure you were hearing music on the radio. But what oh, yeah, I heard like about... top 40 trash. Like, that's, that's the thing. Like, just in the 90s. And I look back on, like, 90s pop with a lot of reverence now. Because that, that is kind of a thing that just every generation does the back in my day things were actually good but now like pop culture now is objectively trash which is why there is so much nostalgia bait because everyone knows things used to be better like music now like the number one song in the world was was wap by cardi b and like another slot there, there is not like 20 years ago and back there there's no world that would tolerate that because it, it it's just hypnotic repetition it's not it's not good it's just an earworm where in the 90s it, especially like 80s 70s 60s whatever but what they used to do is the record companies would take someone that had a level of talent and then exploit them where now it's completely different they just create artists and songs are made like on an assembly line where any top 40 pop song could be written by anybody anybody could do it before like I was thinking of the song, you know, One Week by Bare Naked Ladies. That song is genuinely clever. Any modern artist now couldn't write that. So they used to just take these people that were good at what they did and then just completely exploit them. Just chew them up, spit them out. That's it. Thank you. Game over. So I used to hear stuff. Not, I mean, that was a, a little later, but like standing outside a broken phone booth with change in my hand by the primitive radio gods, like stuff like that. Groove is in the heart by delight. Like, oh, yo, I like, oh, I like this. It's on the radio, but you don't actually like the music. It's just songs you hear when you're just walking around in the mall. But punks was like, it was fast and it was catchy and it's fun to sing to. So that's why I like that where you don't really want to sing along to Iron Maiden at, at a younger age, whereas something I mean, half the song is a guitar solo or, or something like Bodies by the Sex Pistols. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I got angst in me. Yeah, I got feelings. And you're not ready for someone like me, world. I, so I, I I almost thought you were going to say by Drowning Pool. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about <laughs> But like, because we're talking Bodies about... at the floor? Yeah. Didn't that guy but, die recently? That was that was a long time ago, dude. Whatever, I don't know. And. <laughs> so but because we're talking about that specific era so that that would be 90s 2000s so yeah 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 so when it came to i mean even just developing your your palette of, of musical styles and whatnot did you start to hang around more of these kind of people that would show you the heavier stuff as time went along or were you more entranced in like going down the just punk style and, and iron maiden at this point well the the punk stuff <laughs> the people that i knew one other guy that liked punk and the not the lifestyle there isn't a lifestyle when you're like pubescent boy <laughs> but like like the fashion and 
the live shows. I knew one other guy like that, but there was another guy that just liked the music. So he would just like find it and just kind of, Hey, check out this band or this band or this band. But the one guy, it was, it was just one specific guy who was into metal and he and I were just kind of like, we need to find more stuff together. And it was like, then that's like where I found like merciful fate, Celtic frost, venom, even bands like fear or black flag, even though I don't really, I do not like black flag. I, I, I wish I liked Henry Rollins, but he's just, he's, he's awful, but I do like Rollins band, but just that kind of music it was just like well we have this like starter kit of like iron maiden kiss acdc and then well i have this starter kit of misfits ramones sex pistols like we gotta branch out there's got to be more here because we know this now and it's been going on for 30 years let's just let's just keep going down the rabbit hole so we didn't really find other people like us. We kind of made other people into this. Like we were just, we were listening to metal in high school and he was a Mormon. So he just looked like I do now. And I looked like I did back when, you know, you remember me. So we had, we had this kind of odd couple thing going on. And then like one of our, one of the guys in our group was a dude from Iran, another dude was like a, a football player and another guy was like an all-american lacrosse player so we were this kind of like motley crew of like the breakfast club and it was it was just kind of like the the new era of breakfast club and we just me and me and mormon were just like the only people like looking for more stuff and then just like the next you know, monday like oh by the way here's what we found and then just like oh more stuff like oh danzig three a uh, death, a uh, dissection, just like, stuff like that. Now, were you starting to see local kind of bands that would play this this style of music, or that didn't even come into? Did that not even come into your your radar at this point? That was kind of the ultimate conundrum in our live lives. Sorry. We, we we saw plenty of bands like i had i've i've seen carcass venom celtic frost king diamond uh napalm death like i i've i've seen all the dinosaurs and i and i saw them before they it just became a novelty to go see them like you see king diamond at house of blues now he's probably playing arenas because you never know when it's going to be his last tour and every band that opened for these bands were garbage it was all this terrible, like bands that would become like metalcore and this, like this, just, I don't even know what to call it. They're just, just standard mall core where, you know, what, what's that one band that does uh, uh cattle decapitation, stuff like that. Or it, like uh, uh, the black Dahlia murder, all these terrible, like the new generation of headbangers ball, just awful bands where the fans just, they, they paint their nails black. And, and they put their bangs in front of their face and then they think they're edgy. It's just, just awful. Like they tune everything down so you can't make out what the guitar's doing. And then it's just blast beats and there's no riffs and there's no creativity. It's just, it's terrible. So we're like, how come nobody is like, why aren't young people not playing good metal? What happened? And that wasn't a thing that I started experiencing until like a few years down the line 
and you go to small clubs in Los Angeles, like, okay, this is like, actually sounds like an 80s thrash band. Or like, okay, this is like a genuine death metal band. Like, okay, oh, there are some serious black metal bands here. So that was in the early days, it was just like, where are the good bands? Every young band is terrible. Terrible. Like, I do not respect metal that it's either, like, if it's not like the Iron Maiden Dio type of metal, thrash, black, or death. I do not respect it. Everything else, it sucks. So that's very mighty, uh, strong words there. So I, I'm curious for you personally, when was the moment when you wanted to pick up an instrument and what was your first instrument? The first instrument was, it was guitar. And it was just like, ah, I don't know. It just, I was just watching my friend play and then he played so well. And I was like, I just, I want to do that. And then like he and I were just like, we should just like make our own, we should like make our own band. And what happened was I learned how to play guitar so I could play bass because we knew a guy that played drums. And then that was just like how it started. And we never went anywhere with it because we didn't really know what we were doing. Like we could all play our instruments well enough, but we didn't quite know how to write a song. Like we, we didn't know how to stay in time with each other. Like all we did was we, we played like three songs, maybe, maybe a few more, but we played, uh, Hanger 18 with one guitar, <laughs> uh, Horror Business by the Misfits, and Anarchy in the UK. Like those were the only songs that we played. And did you start? You started out as a three piece at this time. What was the uh, the name of the project? Uh, it was called Intercorpse. Intercorpse, very clever. So it, uh, this sounds like a more of a kind of a death metal project. Per Not se? really. It was like oh, okay. a it was like a punk project just because that was the music that was the easiest to play. Like we recorded one song and it was a cover of the Hellions. Like that's how basic we were. Were you singing at this point on on our cover of the Hellion? A, 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 during this project. Uh we tried doing it and then we just never got to the point where we were good enough to necessitate vocals we were just we like we tried like i, I sang on anarchy in the uk but we were just kind of like what are we doing <laughs> we're terrible <laughs> this is this is just a waste of time and then we just slowly just stopped doing it completely and i i was like i don't know i feel like there's a potential to do this and then uh we had this kind of awkward parting of ways senior year is this the point when wait wait when when's the point when dj comes in here dj didn't come in until college now dj i met him in middle school but dj knew this mormon guy and i and here's what happened and this is this is where the this is the kind of the the story of how this band my band formed uh I stopped being friends with this Mormon guy because he's stupid. And I was like, well, there's no reason to like not keep playing music. So there was this guy that I worked with and I worked at a big box store when I was in high school and he liked punk and some metal. And I, and he liked like very like almost mainstream death battle. And I was like, here, you should check this band out. This is, you know, some easy listening. And it was behemoth. And he's like, oh, this is so cool. 
I was like, yeah, man, I, I want to play music like that. He's like, well, I play bass. I was like, okay, all right, well, let's go. Let's, let's get it started. And then we just would, we just play in my garage and, uh, fast forward. He's like, well, I know a guy who's good at guitar. And I was like, okay, well I can play drums well enough. Like, why don't we see if we can put a set together with us? And that was the, how that was like the, the first lineup of, of dis, what became dismissed. It was, it was us three. And then our friend, Jason, he just said, I'll book you a show and I'll sing if you can do everything else. And then we did. And that's, that's how it happened. Meanwhile, Mormon guy, he was trying to get his band off the ground because he became friends with another, like, like an Ingie Malmsteen type who could just play leads really well. And he couldn't do anything else. Like he couldn't write songs. All he could do was just go. And they would just talk about things that when we start playing, we'll start doing this. And DJ was in their band. And then he just got tired of them talking about doing shows and not actually doing shows. Cause DJ came to my first show because he was clearly interested in doing that. And he was kind of like putting out feelers like, Hey, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you want to uh, do something sometime. <laughs> and I did back in my head, like, yeah, I'm like, you know, I don't care. Like I'm not listening. I like 15 conversations at once, but then just, um, we had a new drummer that I I'd met in college. And he was just kind of a Spurg and we, we did two shows with him and he just, he, he could play drums well, but he couldn't play black and death metal. Like he just did. He just didn't have the strength to like hit like a snare hard. So he just kind of had this like really weak way of just playing. And then he just slowly just became kind of like a dick. And we're just like, uh, well, I don't think it's going to work with this guy. And then DJ just called me one day, like right after this dude leaves. And he's like, Hey, do you want to hang out? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Sure. And then he, and then he's just like, says like, Hey, can I play drums in your band? You play drums? Like, oh yeah. And then he basically auditioned right there. I was like, I don't care that I don't care how well you can play. I mean, you play drums and you want to like, I'll, I'll take what I can get. And then that was pretty much what happened. So at this point, where, where was the first show at Hoagies? Yeah. The first show was at Hoagies. Okay. So did you start to notice more of a black metal scene happening around that time? Just because on, on my radar, it, it was like Necroticus and dismissed and Xanthroquade with like the three black metal bands locally here. So I'm just kind of curious what was happening around Orange County locally when Dismissed was just forming, like if there was like an actual legit black metal scene happening, or if you guys were kind of one of the anomalies around here. We weren't one of the Orange County bands. We were one of the LA bands because of Jason, because we were just we were essentially Sumeria's unofficial roadies. So most of our connections came through him and Chris Hate War. So we were just one of the LA bands. So when we would go to LA, then it was like, well, this is completely different. Like there is like, there's a black metal band on every block and not like crappy bands where they don't know how to play. And then they just like cut themselves and, and scream into the microphone. Like, no, like these are guys that like, they have 
you know, real releases and production and they can play their instruments well and they can write songs like this. This is like the real deal. Like sure. A lot of them were LARPy and kind of annoying as people, but like they were like, these were big, these were big timers. So after this, so you've obviously formed, what is the initial reaction just to that first show without DJ, without DJ behind the kit? You know, did you have, did you see a lot of people and I'm assuming this too, you guys had to do more of the pay to play thing. Uh, I want to say, I know the first two shows that we did were the pay to play. And I, and the first show was kind of like, it was, it was kind of like it was patronizing where just everyone that showed up was just like our friends. And they're like, Oh, that's cool that you did that. Oh yeah. So, and it was, and there was no real kind of like, wow, people actually like us. It was more like, not everything went wrong. Wow. Like, so it was more kind of like we got through, we just got through the, the first show and it wasn't a big deal. Cause I was always under the impression too, that I like you guys were doing something different, especially, like I said, I, I was only around in the orange County kind of circuit. I didn't start venturing into LA until years after this, but around that time, I remember watching you guys and just really loving what you guys were doing. You know what I mean? I wanted to support you guys. Cause I just generally thought you guys were more of the real deal. You know, like you guys generally loved playing that style of music and it didn't matter how good or bad the band was. It just mattered the, the level of, of love and that, that you guys had for that genre of music. Does that make sense? So well, I was always, we were certainly a, a sloppy mess in the beginning, but I, I just really appreciated that because of the, the, the dedication and love that you guys had for that style of music. So I was always, one of the ones that that loved to support it because i specifically remember going to a lot of you guys' shows and with jason in mind can you give me that whole spiel of, of how daish came actually into playing in dismissed so he worked at a place that had a, a help wanted sign in and i just walked in and because I, I wanted a better job than the one that i had and you know, he, I was a long hair guy and he was also a long hair guy. And then he, you know, he calls to say like, Hey, are we hiring? And then he basically says, no, they're not. And that the sign shouldn't have been up. And then he says, you kind of look like a musician. Do you play? And then I lifted up my sweatshirt and I had a infernal overkill destruction shirt on. And he was like, oh. like, <laughs> Hey man, like. I like, I like destruction too. And then it's like, yeah, you should, we should like hang out and jam sometime. And then just, it just, be, and then Jason just became like this, like the surrogate father in my life. Like right after that, just like, like I got nothing going on. Like let's go down to Jason's work and just hang out with him there. And just stuff like that happened. And then eventually he's like, we started just going to shows with him, hanging out with, other of like his other friends like the, the la black metal people and that's just that was just basically it it was just jason just became my friend because i wanted a new job 
and I had a destruction shirt on. It's like, you know, when you're in kindergarten, like you see a kid, you're like, whoa, you have Spider-Man shoes? I got Spider-Man backpack. We're best friends now. So it was just kind of like that thing. Because at that time, it was very rare to see metal shirts that weren't like Godsmacked or corn or like as I lay dying, like like trash. So like seeing something from like a good band that isn't like a top 40 MTV band is very rare. Right. That that was like the hot topic. Those were like the hot topic days, I would say. More of the My Comic Romance thing. I I remember those days, 2008, 2009 era. Well, it was it was before people were were ready to accept. It was like there was metal effectively died. And um, I, I'm going to derail your line of questioning with this very specific thing. Metal died with the Black Album. And the Black Album was done intentionally to kill metal. The Black Album did not need to exist how it existed. Metallica did four records that were all very successful and Justice for All sold 3 million copies. They didn't need to do a sellout record. Whatever record they did after Injustice for All, if it still sounded like somewhat like the first four records, it would have been very popular. But what happened was the Black Album completely changed rock and roll. And that was the end of it because that was probably the biggest record of all time from a hard rock standpoint. And every band like Metallica, like all those thrash bands, they tried to replicate that success. Like, what was the next Megadeth record? Countdown to Extinction. What did Testament do? The Ritual. Then Sounds of White Noise. Uh, uh, Divine Intervention. Like, you have uh, a Force of Habit by Exodus. You have these, these bands that all sound a certain way, that have their fans wanting them to sound a certain way. And they completely changed their sound. And it wasn't like a reflection of the era, like, oh, the times are different. No, though those bands change the direction of the culture with that and people lost interest in the exciting riff based aggressive fast music and then it just became this like slow and depressing music it is a complete myth that nirvana destroyed metal that that that's just the thing that was promoted this isn't like a free market thing this was intentionally done Cause what was the metal that was popular right after the black album? Like what was the genre go grunge? No, it's new metal. Grunge is That's like its own different kind of rock, but it was like system of a down, uh, corn, limp biscuit. It's, uh, what rage against the machine, rage yeah, against like the machine. all this terrible. It's just like sludgy, slow chuggy music like the aggression's gone and it's trying to be edgy and the creativity is gone and it's not catchy anymore it's for people that think they're edgy it was like the next generation of young people and it didn't grab the youth like the other stuff did it's just what the youth had as an alternative to what was top 40 it was the new stuff but because it sucked it didn't stick like people are still making thrash and death metal bands today. Like there are uh, those bands popping up everywhere. People are not making new, new metal bands. Like there's no new grunge bands. That stuff is, it was a flash in the pan where metal is, is timeless. And there was a period where like metal died, where Dio was playing in like 500 man venues in the nineties. 
And at a certain point, it kind of clicked in like, oh, all that stuff that we tried to bury is still popular. Let's just dig up all these old fossils. And like Megadeth is still putting stuff out. Iron Maiden just had a a record come out. Like Creator just had a record come out. Like all these bands that have been doing this for 40 years, there was like a, a, a probably 10 year period where nobody cared what they did. And mostly because a lot of what they did was terrible. Like all those records in the nineties, they're terrible. Well, let me, let me ask you this. So, so what you, you mentioning that the, the black album was the most successful. I would almost argue back in black was just as successful in 1980 came out 10 years beforehand. So how did, what did that? I don't think so. You, I don't, okay. I don't think as far as like sales go and like anticipation and, and just like the whole thing, like I, I'm sure dark side of the moon has probably sold more records than the black album. But just the whole buildup of the Black Album, I'm pretty sure Inter Sandman is the second most played music video in MTV history. I could be wrong, but it's 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 up there. I I really remember like in the 90s, I feel like Inter Sandman was played like every hour, and that song was always on the radio. And that's not even the best song on that record, even though I do think that record is not good. It has like the best production you'll ever hear, but you give it the production of Kill 'Em All, and that album sucks. Like the black album is not a good record. You know what they should have called it? They should have named it after one of the songs, Sad But True. <laughs> you make I mean, I'm not gonna argue with people's opinions of it. You know, it's um if you want like will... it, it's fine. Like, you know, yeah, there are there's stupid people in the world. That's nothing we can do about that. That album, but but you cannot compare that to like Rain and Blood or or Rust in Peace. Or fabulous disaster, infernal overkill. Like it, it's, it, it's not even like it's a, it's a even a bad Metallica album. I'm not even a fan of Master of Puppets. It's way worse than Master of Puppets. It's oh, worse man. than Ride the Lightning. It's worse than Inju- it's way worse than Injustice for All. Injustice for All is like a genuinely good record. See, when I was in high school, I once heard someone say, "I hate Guns and Roses, but I like some of their songs," and I didn't know what that really meant. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And that's how I feel about Metallica. I hate Metallica, but I like some of their songs because Metallica held metal's throat out for it to be slick. And they did that for no reason other than like, let's just make more money than we are already making. And they were making a lot of money at the time. And they really turned metal into like a black mark in music history. That's an interesting... That's interesting. So let's 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 venture into this territory. So what what would have happened, say, had the Black Album never existed? What do you where do you think metal would have have gone to? Because it can't nothing left. That's an yeah. That's Mm -hmm. an It's an interesting. It's an interesting question. It and it's a weird hypothetical. But right now, it's starting to feel like metal is kind of coming back into like not like the top but it like a comfortable position it where like people may be able to make a living doing it and had the black album not come out it's hard to believe that megadeth would go from rust in peace to countdown to extinction especially with dave's baggage of always being a step behind metallica metallica has a record that opens at number one like, okay, well, clearly 
this is this is the the new thing to do but also that album didn't open at number one because it was good it opened at number one because everyone heard about it so they went out to buy it it things don't open at number one because of word of mouth that's all marketing so they were chasing the trend that had already been established before the product even came out it's not like like titanic wasn't a movie that made all of its money like opening weekend just everyone saw it like avatar did titanic did kind of like a slow rise to the top because of word of mouth so people were trying to emulate the success of the black album that was successful before it had a chance to prove it was successful and now there's still a bunch of people that are like man i was there it was awesome but it's not that the album was good it's you just remember that hype surrounding it and how fun the hype was it's like all those people that waited in line for those star wars movies in the 90s or well not all of them i guess only one came out in the 90s but those those movies are terrible and everyone is willing to admit that where people aren't as willing to do that with with the black album but i feel like a lot of people they like they only like old metallica like everything before the black album but not as not as many people have this 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 virulent hatred of the black album that i do and they're just not willing to do that because metallica is they're still this kind of like these pioneers of metal even though it just seems like they just rode other people's coattails and they were just right place right time well, they made so, they made smart decisions on who their, their their management was, how they marketed themselves. It's all planning. You well, know? that I think was Lars all, is, but that didn't happen until the Black Album, though. Like, well, sure, maybe the building, management was a little different. Well, they were building their momentum. That's the problem. Like, especially but everyone with, was like, right. "Killing is my business." Uh, debuted or not debuted, but it it sold a hundred thousand copies in its first run, and that was on an indie label. And that was two years after Kill 'Em All. So he wasn't like Dave fresh off of Metallica. Like, you know, he's still, people knew who Dave Mustaine was and Megadeth was playing shows for a while, but still 100,000 copies pre-internet. That is big for an independent label. Yeah. So and there, there wasn't just, well, p Cells right. that's something different, but because uh, that was, that's the second record. But Metallica was riding off of the momentum of everybody else. They're like, people say that like Ringo Starr is the luckiest man in show business. Metallica is the luckiest band in metal. They are, me and Mormon, we used to have these, these deep philosophical like conversations about like what, what is what band and like what, what is everyone's place? It's Megadeth was the most intelligent. Exodus was the heaviest. Testament was the most technical. Slayer was the fastest. Anthrax was the most fun. And Metallica was the most generic. Like the things that like make Metallica interesting is they would have these interludes in, in the middle of their songs, but that didn't even happen until Master of Puppets. And I would argue that most of those ruin their songs. Like Master of Puppets is this really cool song until this like three minute boring interlude. And it's not like it's very complex. It's very repetitive. It's just clean. It's, it's not, they're not that creative. They would just like literally every Metallica song is like the equivalent of like, I'm going on my break. Like it just stops being a cool song to just be boring. Like you didn't need to slow down. Like sure. Maybe you don't need to be Slayer and be, uh, you know, a hundred miles an hour, 
but at the same time, like you're, you're, you, you put out Kill 'em All. Like you wrote Trapped Under Ice and Battery. That's what people like. Is they, they were just for some reason, that was the band that the record label latched onto and said, you're going to be the one for this project, Operation Kill Metal. So I think most bands would not, like there definitely wouldn't have been Enderama by Creator had the Black Album not come out. Well, that's a fact. There wouldn't have been a lot of th- a lot of a lot of things, you know, because of Terrible the Black record. Album. Yeah, well, a lot, a lot of them. Uh, I, I would almost, I would say this because now what you're seeing today in in metal music, especially a lot of repetitiveness, a lot of bands recycling the same fucking riff over and over and over again. You know, especially in the traditional heavy metal style, right? I don't mean to put all of them down, but a lot of them are just, they just use the same goddamn riff over and over and over again. And most vocalists, I don't find very appealing. I just don't find many traditional heavy metal vocalists nowadays as appealing as, say, in the 80s. I just, I don't know why that trend seems to be here, but hopefully, hopefully it's just a, gets us to that next place where metal will become as great as I guess pre black album, as you say. Well, the, the, the problem is that a lot of people don't understand why those bands were popular in the first place. And a lot of what it came down to was those bands had never existed before. So, you cannot recreate the first four Megadeth records with a new band. So you got these, these new guys that are trying to sound like old bands and that's it. I I remember Duran Duran came out with a record in like 2010 or 11, sometime around there. And it just sounds like eighties Duran Duran, but worse. So that's what a lot of these, these people are. They're just like, I like creator. I'm going to sound like creator. So they just sound like creator, but worse. So that's, that's kind of the problem is we, we have 40 years of this music and then you have people that are trying to sound like stuff that was what it was 40 years ago. And I'm not saying like things need to innovate, but there is a line. I, I, I am not a, um, a proponent of things need to evolve because when things evolve, that's when you get new metal. That's when you get a tray you or my chemical romance. Like that's, that's when you get rap rock and, and uh, uh, bands like waking the cadaver. This is so, terrible crap. Well, let me ask you this. So if things hadn't evolved outside of, of the new wave of, of British heavy metal and punk music, you wouldn't have gotten thrash, which sure, I'm not, no, you I'm not have saying death metal and then yeah, black yeah, right, metal. Right, 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 right. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm saying that it doesn't always have to evolve. Gotcha. I, it, because the thing is, okay, let me ask you, like, uh, what name a, a horror movie from the eighties you really liked? Oh gosh. <clears throat> um, just anyone, anyone. The stuff. I, I really like the movie. Okay, the okay, stuff. perfect. Great example. Would you rather see a remake of The Stuff 
No. Or would you re- hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on? I mean, you get two choices. Would you rather see a remake of the stuff or a new original idea that that is the worst movie you've ever seen? I would much rather see the second one. You'd rather no. This is a guarantee. It will be the worst movie you've ever seen. I want to see the worst movie that I've ever seen. That's that's more appealing to me than a than a um uh a remake. I I, I hate remakes. I'm not like I, a remake I'm a guy. proponent of. I am a huge proponent of remakes on paper, as long as you have a good idea and a good script and a good direction to take it with. Now, a remake for the sake of like, well, we have the brand, we can make money off of it. Then, then the, obviously the creativity is not there. But if someone's like, let, the perfect example, okay, what is the greatest remake of all time for horror? For horror, oh gosh, um, there's one answer. Well, I would say the Blob, but that was that was in the '80s. So the Blob, the Blob is good. the The correct answer is the thing. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. But that was, but that was a guy who liked the source material that had a good idea for what to do with a remake. Same with the fly. Like the fly is kind of a a crummy movie. The remake is a better movie. It's different, but it, it is, it's, it's creative. It's unique. So I would rather someone like the stuff is a very low budget movie about like how marshmallow fluff kills people. You, if you had someone that, had a, a good idea like i know how i can bring the stuff especially in today's age where like everything is so consumerism driven where you could just have something where like let's just have a bunch of tiktokers marketing the stuff or something dumb like the hashtag the stuff whatever so you could do something clever with that versus like well this is something unique and original it's like okay well that made me want to kill myself I don't want something that's new and original if it's not good. I would rather there be something that something that I've seen before if I like it. So there is only so where or so far you can go in the, like the thrash metal genre. So I'm just saying it doesn't have to evolve, but it did evolve into something bad, but there are limitations that you are gonna have to accept that that's what you're working with and if you think that you can go out and try to recreate pleasure to kill you're going to fail because pleasure to kill already exists well absolutely but if if you just like pleasure to kill and you're like i just want to make my version of pleasure to not obviously not cover each song but like something that sounds like that whatever that's fine but just keep in mind it's very limited uh uh very very diminishing returns so to say as far as people liking it well the the problem that i'm having just being in a band in general and whatnot is just seeing all these other bands just not adding their own personality into the music they're they're always wanting to become i don't know they always want to become like a like not I wouldn't even say creator. I would say more Metallica Megadeth is like really popular, like sounding just like those two bands. It's become really popular. And look, I'm not saying I'm the most original fucking guy out there, but dude, at least, at least like we've implemented so many other elements and just like playing thrash metal right, or death metal. So I think it's just all about you loving the genre of music itself, just like a horror movie and whatnot, but adding your own flavor into it. And something that becomes unique to you rather than it becoming you, um, 
you know, kind of what, what am I trying to say here? Instead of a rehash kind of thing, it becomes unique because you implemented you into the situation. Does that make sense? That's what John sure. Carpenter did. I feel right. with the thing, right? Having yeah, there, there's a difference between you having your own vision. You take something and putting your own spin on it, and just trying to recreate something that someone else made. There's a difference. Like I, I, I am currently in a band, and um, they just had a, a full length out, and uh, I just played the keyboards on it for really funny reasons but that it, it is a a thing that like there is no like it, it's like let's just be ourselves and here's the template of the 80s persona that i've based myself on you're not really being yourself there guy well i always see i always think of it like what if i was doing this back then that's where i would be like okay this is where i would want to take it knowing the influence the elements that have been laid down the foundation and I'm going to add more of what I want to do with that foundation. No, am I just completely off the mark here with what you're saying? Uh, well, things like that is, is kind of like a kind of a different story where I don't know what it would be like back then because everything was just kind of fresh in the eighties, like the eighties, you know, I didn't live in the eighties for very long and not enough of it to remember, but, you do look back and there were a lot of awesome things there and that's why there's so much nostalgia for it because it was kind of a decade that was it's it's a double-edged sword because it really normalized consumerism because it had so many products that were objectively cool like you you watch cartoon shows that are basically just 30 minute ads to sell toys but one those cartoons were cool and two those toys were cool so you were watching something that was like carefully crafted to just appeal to you and then it's it's a little different with metal because you know that wasn't really made to sell records that was just kind of the fallout of things that were made to sell records so everything was kind of fresh like this was a, a new attitude and the rock star had always kind of been a thing like the guy that does a bunch of drugs and bangs a bunch of broads and kind of goes around the world but this was like front and center like this could be you like this is celebrated by the establishment too and you know what's another weird thing the rock star is gone when was the last time there was an actual like hard rock band that went top 40 um well if we're not counting like a Greta Van Fleet per se, um is that I would hard say, rock? I guess. I guess we Or is it sound... or is it hard rock by today's standard? Correct. Yes. It's mainstream like, hard like, rock like, by... like like the killers isn't hard rock. Right. Like it's right. it's like, yeah, that's a rock band, but that's not a hard rock band. Like that's not your your Led Zeppelin of the era. Like that's not your ACDC. That's not your Iron Maiden. One of the last ones I can pinpoint would be like a Marilyn Manson, who was like legitimately the last true rock star in my I, opinion. I, but... I agree with that, and that's what I always tell people is it's Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit was the oh, okay. last band to be like a top forty rock band. 
And Limp Bizkit system is a joke. System of a Down it's, too, though. Same era, same era, though. It's like it's a, it's the same era. It's it's that kind of music, and it didn't stick. But that was the, there after that. Just rock just became limp wristed, and just there was no more. There's no testosterone in it anymore. Like the creativity is, is taken out of it, and, and I refuse to believe people actually like rap. I refuse. I know there is an audience for it, but it is not that popular that it would push all other genres out of the forefront. Like here and there in the nineties, like, you know, you would see California love in rotation and then you would see, uh, all that she wants and enter Sandman and then smells like teen spirit. Like this was like what you would get, but now it's only degenerate rap where it's like young man, join a gang, young girl, be a whore. And it's like, and it's aimed at 12 year olds. And I refuse to believe that this is what's popular. It's market driven. No, it's not. This is what's made available. And this is what they forced on you because they do not want you listening to this music because this music is inspiring. It is a good outlet. It, it makes you feel something. It makes you feel like you belong where rap is just the bottom of the barrel, just brain dead hypnotism with electronic beats that just burrows into your ear and you don't like it you just remember it because they play it over and over there's there's two things i want to add to this right i think our own within our own genre we've we've shot ourselves in the foot tremendously because of what a rock star used to have was mystique and because of social media and whatnot rock stars just rock bands just don't have mystique anymore there it's literally your average guy it's like me you and and i mean everybody's a rock star nowadays because we're all we all are on the same platform and we all post our bullshit 24 7 a day like there was a time when you didn't hey, know hey, speak for yourself i'm only there no. 12 hours a day <laughs> you get my point though right, right. so like i don't want to know what so-and-so is doing from Nikki my favorite Six band. made an omelet yeah i don't care you know what i mean so I think it's really devalued us as a, as a culture within rock and metal in general. And I also so think too, because rap is cheaper to make than rock and metal bands. So, Oh, it's no they, effort. It's not even low effort. It's no effort. So because of that, I think that's the reason for it. It's all money. Driven. I don't think it's so. All, I don't think oh, so. I okay. don't believe it at all. I think, I think it is intentionally done. Absolutely. It's the culture. I do not think, because here's the thing, if you control the culture, you control the flow of money anyway. You don't need to do it for money because if it was about money, they wouldn't have destroyed multiple piggy banks. I mean, look at Star Wars and Marvel right now. Like Thor just got an 80% drop off after the, the, the box office because of, because of the politics that they inserted into the movie that is unappealing to the masses. But there's, and then they've been doing this for years to like all these, all these diminishing returns, like to a huge scale, like a Star Wars movie bombed. Like it didn't just not make that much money. It bombed. Solo bombed despite getting good reviews from critics. It's <laughs> not about the money. It's, it's about changing the culture. And if you change the culture, you control the money. So it doesn't matter because if they cared about money, they would just do the same thing over and over until the, until the, the well run dry, but they did it. 
and, and rap is it's it's it is easier for them that it doesn't require that much money but there's also a lot of money laundering in it like i heard little john charges like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to produce a song like there's no way you are worth that in any world but it's it's i, I saw there was that there was an old meme it was like one of Tupac's songs who I don't like any rap at all, but don't let anyone get any ideas here. I am anti-Tupac, but he wrote some song that seemed to have the semblance of poetry and it was like one songwriter. And then there was a Bay One song. It was, it was like, girls, who rules this mother? Girls, we rule this mother. Whatever. It, was like, it was like the dumbest, most simplistic thing. And it had like six producer credits and like a bunch of writers. So it's it's literally people just like sitting in a boardroom saying like how do we engineer this like how do we assembly line create this and it is easier with there's no instrument but if everybody is listening to this dumb music and participating in this dumb stuff then the culture dies and then if everyone is just brain dead and then just an economic unit then uh then we don't have a culture and then we just then we just become slaves well, that's their ultimate goal. That's the the elite's ultimate goal, and it, it's it. If we don't stand up now, it, it's going to be a thing of the past. You know, where freedom's well, going to. Well, the, the annoying thing about it is people think like it's it's the the stupidest thing about it is I, I was I was looking at a little bit at the the newest creator release, and it was basically just like I'm pro establishment. Doesn't that show you how anti establishment I am? Like I, there was a behemoth video where they were doing like anti-Christian imagery. And I'm like, bro, what institution do you think is not okay with this? Every single institute, every major institution in the world is pro this. And that's kind of like the annoying thing because I am Christian and, and I do have my roots in black metal where I'm still playing those songs. Like uh, for, I guess nobody would be interested in this before, but I am re-releasing the old dismiss songs. I'm re-recording them. From scratch and just rewriting the lyrics but i'm not calling it black metal because there is a, a satanic component to it even though i think most of those people are just larping and they don't really know what they're doing but every single institution every with power is perfectly fine with anti-christian behavior uh rebellious behavior evil violent lyrics like no one's against that because that is a, a slippery slope there that doesn't lead people into nihilism. And when you buy into nihilism, you are perfectly a slave to consumerism because if there's no meaning in your life, then you don't feel anything for anything that you do, but you need to feel something because as people, we, we, we do need to feel something and we just, not we, but like society, they just fill it up with, with stuff. Just buy cheap stuff on Amazon. You get that package. Ooh, get that dopamine hit retail therapy. And they just sold us nihilism. And that is one thing that I, that was the real shot of metal in the eighties. They let it be popular because it did encourage nihilism. It was very anti-establishment at the time, but it helped get rid of the establishment that was pro morality. And then now we have the most amoral, disgusting society imaginable. 
So it, this kind of ties in with the whole social media aspect, I would say. I would say that social media has played a huge part in in, in our culture just in general. I mean, it literally controls the narrative. Most people are not watching a fucking mainstream media news site anymore. They're getting most of their information off what? Google and Facebook, I believe. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't even I go that far. I would just say just a headline that they see on Facebook. I don't even I don't even think they would get it off of Google anymore. Well, my my point, I think like 90% of people oh, yeah. get their news that. from Google. So, but there is something to be said about the headline aspect cuz there are headlines that don't even portray what the article is actually about it's literally oh, yeah, written yeah, yeah. By there'll be five the, paragraphs the down it'll contradict the headline yeah, yeah well but the the article is written by somebody else and then whoever the the head guy at i don't know i'm going to say like the washington post or whatever will make the headline like there's certain people that the only their job is to just create the headline for articles you know and and i think in the media especially you know i've been interviewed by a, a lot of lot of people in, because i've played music right and some of the articles or you know very didn't have anything to do with what i what i was talking about so they shoehorn in like political questions now in music and i don't yeah. think the two i think need to be separated still i'm still a firm believer of, like, everything I, everything needs to be separated for that but we, we don't have that anymore we just we do not have the luxury anymore of being apolitical because there people have been hit it, it's on social media like people have been conditioned that everything you do should be on social media because look at these people on social media look how wonderful their life is and everything that they do is is just a, a post on social media and they get a, a a million likes per post and look at all that dopamine hit look how important they are you need to model yourself after that you need to be like them so then people get sucked into that cycle and they start doing that and then they spend all their time on social media and then social media gets bombarded with all of this politics and then it's just boom it's part of your everyday routine it's like there's articles about like why like like beer is racist or like why eggs are right like, like everything everything is literally everything is political at this point you can't get away from it you got a hobby too bad it's it's politicized hiking oh it's a symbol of white supremacy. Like literally everything. Like how? How? How did you do this? It's like they found a way. They found a way, man. We we've also found a way to let them do it too. Oh, we didn't even know. We we left the back door unlocked, and we didn't even know. Like I caught on to this a few years back, and I was like, something is wrong. Like all of a sudden, these people I know are weird something happened it, it it really is like invasion of the body snatchers but like it, it it's like these people i once knew it's like they're under some kind of a spell and they're just slaves to the, the glowing box that they keep in their pocket it is the strangest thing and here's what's the like this is the the weirdest thing that's I've ever experienced in my life is I remember being a kid and people would say things like, Oh, you watch, you, you watch too much TV. You're going to rot your brain. And now we've come to the point where like, you don't believe it, but it was on TV last night. And it's not just like news outlets, like 
people think that what law and order is real. It's pretty embarrassing. Yes. Like people see this stuff that they see on like Netflix shows. And now that is their basis for things that happen in reality. Like they watch all these Netflix shows and that's the weird thing about the binge. They, they cram through 13 hours in, in one sitting and they don't realize how that gets cemented into their brain. And then that has warped their perception of reality. So, so you have these you... people, they cram it and then they're on their phone in between. So it's just like getting like a double dose. Do you think this is why we have more of a suicidal uh, aspect to our society now because of things like this, because of the, the, uh, I would almost say implementing their agenda into our culture. So the big, that creates more of, of a suicidal kind of thing within our, just as our, our culture in general, I'm starting to see more and more people commit suicide because of, I'm assuming because of, loneliness or whatever it is and it's just like they're they don't have a purpose anymore well that i mean you 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 have to be social media that's my whole point to it right no they don't i don't i disagree i disagree with that i don't think that they think that's their purpose i think that's the only purpose they have left and Ah. then i think and i think reality eventually sets in like this is what i've devoted my life to like i've burned bridges with close friends and family members also people would like my post and I worked a terrible job and I didn't have a family and I'm addicted to Xanax and alcohol. So I think that's what it is, but you'd have to be crazy to say that the degradation of society has nothing to do with the rise in social media. It, it, there, like, I know correlation doesn't equal causation, but at a certain point, like, Correlation doesn't not not equal causation. Well, it's true, but I I just generally there's a more of an underlining problem with mental health in this country, and I feel like most of it stems from that whole social media thing, the whole just that like you said the dopamine I, hit. So I don't think it is so much that I think the real problem is once upon a time in this country. Someone could get a job that was decent and they could support a family on it and own a house where now everything is so expensive and they have to decide between a family or their whatever, whatever they're doing. It's like, well, I, I can work this job or, or I can have a family or I can work this job and I can go uh buy hiking equipment and uh do all that stuff because the cost of living in this country is so insane and wages have been stagnant since the 70s so people are not able to go out get a decent job meet a significant other like they're women should not be working like they just shouldn't and now they have to because the cost of living is so high. It's like, well, uh, if I want to afford this apartment, like, okay, my, my wife has to also work full time where there are plenty of studies that, that show like women have mental breakdowns after working X hours a week at work. 
and they are happier being mothers, but because we live in a society that has basically forced everyone to work to live, that they're not getting together and having families and having purpose in their life. So they're buying Funko Pops or they're, they're becoming like, you get all these guys that are addicted to porn. And then you have these women that are just like, uh, I'm a dog mom and a wine aunt. That's more fun. So you have two people that aren't having sex, not having families. And then you just have double the, the, the hopeless person. And then just, Oh, they killed themselves. Oh, wow. Can't say that I didn't see it coming because that person was also on antidepressants. It's just, this is just the nature of the beast. I also feel though, too, with, and that's why I hate the black album. (laughs) Well, we'll get back. We'll get back to that. But what, what I, what I think I want to add on get here. I don't know, but I want to, I want (laughs) to add on to this. You know, I think there is a huge kind of like, stigma attached to just relationships in general when it comes to men and women i i feel there's more how many how many um people cheat on each other nowadays compared to back then you know what i mean because or, or has just hasn't always been prevalent because now of, here, here's what i think i think a lot of that came from the sexual revolution where there is there is actually like something in women where the more partners they have the less likely they are to bond with one person so it was probably a guy meets a girl young and then they get married young and they have a family where now it's just like go around and have sex with whoever you want however you want wherever you want and then you get these people that just form these hedonistic nihilistic relationships with these people like now there's like the new thing is like polyamory ethically non-monogamous all this all this nonsense words that they use to like fool themselves and then you have people that that they're so used to just sleeping around that they don't know what it's like to pick one person and settle down. So well, they I get think... scared. And so they just like, ah, this is getting too real. I need to get someone new. So it's like, here, here, it's like you know, right. I'm not trying to cut you off, but here's my thinking okay. with all that stuff is that I don't want to take the chance and invest my life into somebody else, knowing that there's more of an opportunity to be kind of cheated on or whatever. So I'm not even going to take that risk. Does that make sense? So that's why I'd much rather. I wish it didn't make sense, but really you should take the risk because life (laughs) is about taking risks. Unfortunately, it shouldn't be that way, but like at a, at a certain point, you just got to bite the bullet and you got to try, you got it. You got to man up. (laughs) I guess I'm just, it's a shame that we've come to this. I understand what you're saying, but there's a, there's this really weird phenomenon going on uh, where you have uh, OnlyFans is a is a thing where you're having young women sell themselves virtually to young men for like $5 a month. And, and you have these women, they're doing what they say, like solo content. So they're just by themselves, like they're pleasuring themselves well, men pay $5 a month to pleasure themselves to a woman pleasuring themselves. So you have two people not having sex in this weird hyper reality. It is the strangest thing. Like, it's not just like, cause I understand it's really bad out there for, for men, like unmarried, like, like single men. It's bad. I understand. You want my advice? I can't give it to you. It's bad. I understand that. And look, and if you go to someone who's been married for like 10 years, 
don't don't go to them saying like, hey, what do I do? They they've been out of the game for 10 years. They don't know what it's like. And it was like at a certain point, like a switch flip, and then we're all in crazy town. But that is a, this weird hyper reality of two people not having sex with each other, simulating it. So women need to be led, but men need to be leaders. Like that's the reality. So if you are a strong man who's strong in your convictions, woman's probably not going to leave you. But if you're weak and you're scared, like, oh, what if she leaves me? Well, she's going to sense that. And then you're going to lose some of that attraction that she had. Sure. Well, I guess that's where I'm at. So it's all good. But, you know, so I guess we are in crazy town because everyone has pink and blue hair. And if you get that show reference there, right, there you go. Boom. So in in essence, let's get back here on uh, on your journey real quick. I'm just curious with dismissed so you obviously started you, you started to do some shows now when is the point when you actually decide to record this specific demo that i cannot fucking locate for the life of me <laughs> you can't find it neither can i that is like the <laughs> the london after midnight uh of of black metal releases like it's out there i gave it to people there are people that have it but i i think what happened I want to say it was recorded on a four track. I think it was recorded on Jason's four track. I might be wrong. It, Cause it like, to, to me, this is such a weird thing. Cause I, I listened to your episode with DJ and he's recalling all these things. And I'm like, I don't remember that at all. Cause all the stuff that I did after dismissed had such a bigger impact on who I became than this. So I remember everything up to a point and then it, we got to the point where it was just routine so it may have been recorded on ryan's computer with garage band i'm okay I, i'm in i'm inclined to think that that's when it was recorded because i specifically remember the drums sounding so terrible so i think it was recorded with a laptop mic so if that were the case then it was recorded right after Ryan joined the band. And I, I think Ryan was in Madras first. Mm -hmm. I think That's you correct. and DJ. Then he, I, okay. then he saw you guys play and, and. I met him at, uh, at a video game store. We played super smash brothers and he, and he crushed me. And then after that, I invited him to one of our shows. And then after that show, he said, hey, do you need another guitar player? And then that's when he joined the band. So I think right after that, he said, hey, I have a recording equipment on my computer. Uh, we can record some stuff with that. But I also don't remember him playing on it, but he had to have. Uh, again, like this is, like, I don't remember, I don't remember the fat guy turning the air conditioning on. That was a DJ story. And he, he assures me it happened. And it sounds like something that would happen. Cause we did have that fat guy for a bit. And then, um, he left right before we did a show in April, 2008. And that was kind of the show that where we kind of proved ourselves. Like we are a band now. I, that was, I believe that was DJ's first show. And that was the first show. Uh, I can't remember. 
I know, I know well, Jason was there, but Chris hate war came up to us after. And he said like, that was the band that you promised me. you were. Okay. But were you singing at the time? I would sing one song and then Jason would sing the rest. That was how, how we did it. He would come out from the crowd. Like it was like, like we did it. It, it was, we had our set of songs that we would do and we wrote a new song for every show that we did. And then I would sing that. And then it did that to the point where that just became our new set. So when does I Tom remember, fit in here? Now, Tom, I believe Tom. Oh gosh. That, okay. That was the one we couldn't remember if he was in Madras first. I don't think he was. I think he was just moonlighting. I think he joined dismissed first because okay. Ryan was friends with Becky and that was before Becky and Tom were dating. And that was when Tom was trying to bang Becky. So right. he came with her to the show and we didn't have a bass player. And then at the end he said, do you guys need a bass player? Cause I play bass. And then that was where Tom and that was when Tom joined. And as far as I'm concerned, that's what dismissed was. It was myself, DJ, Tom, and Ryan. That was the band. Like the, the best we ever played and the best songs we ever did was then. Because the last show we ever did, every single song we had never played before. We wrote all new songs for that show and the guy didn't record it. And that's the, like the most annoying thing. And I remember your dad came up to us and he said, that was the best you've ever been. And that was the last show we ever did. <clears throat> wow. Dude. So, so obviously that's Hoagie Barmichael. So, yeah. wow. Are there, there's no, there are no tapes of those, that stuff floating around in either. Not that specific show, but I'm saying in general, there's no, there are no shows recorded from that place. Are there? Uh, I found one recently. I, I found a, a stack of blank CDs because I, I just, excuse <clears> me. <throat> I just had all this stuff and I'm like, dude, there's got to be something in here. And I just found it. And I don't remember what the date was. I think it says September and it was, uh, it's terrible. It's with Ryan and I one of his, it. one of his, one of his, you can tell that Ryan's guitar is out of tune. Like his, his, his E string is, is clearly in D. So either he was playing something in drop D and he forgot to tune it. Or his just his E string just tuned down and he didn't bother. And you can just you can hear like when he's playing and the and the upper strings, it sounds fine, but whenever it's anything involving the E string, you just hear that like disparity. It's it's really bad. And I could send it to you. It sounds terrible. It's really embarrassing. But the only good thing about it is I remember all these songs. Like I, I would play them for years just like acoustic guitar just like uh oh, just playing it and then now i'm just going back and i'm i'm re-recording all of it and the only song i did not remember was into lands unknown and then i listened to it and that was and i only wrote that song because i was just like we need to have original song so i just wrote it in an afternoon and that was it it was just kind of like like agent orange recording bloodstains like i just want to be on an album we have an original song like that was it and then I, and I'm listening to it and I always remember thinking, I don't like this song. This song is just like a song that 
because I wrote it so quickly. I just slapped it together and I'm listening to it now. And I'm like, terrible recording aside, like, this is a good song. Like I that was always still, my favorite. <laughs> I, I'm I'm still proud of of all those songs that I wrote, even though it, it's so weird because because I I haven't had long hair in years, and then like people would bring it up, and I'm like I had long, yeah I did have long hair. Like it, it's such it's so weird because it was such a big part of my life, but like I I I I kind of almost it's not like I I treat it with contempt, but it was like I put it in a time capsule. And then I just kind of dug it up recently and it's just, it's all coming back to me. Like I, I am re-recording all those songs. Uh, three are done. I think they sound good. Uh, I I'm mixing it and mastering it all myself. So like it's, it's got that eighties crappy production. It doesn't sound terrible. Like obviously nothing sounds as bad as like absurd. It doesn't sound as bad as like Transylvanian hunger, but it doesn't sound like a modern metal record. Right. Well, so is there going to be any recordings with you and DJ potentially? He, he wants to, but it's just kind of like, what do we do? Like he probably well, hasn't played drums in 12 years. The logistics of it. Yeah. Probably just, don't well, not just that, but, but, but just like, well, what would he do? Like he hasn't played drums in 12 years. I don't think he plays guitar. Like, what is he going to do? Is he going to like play keyboards? I don't know. I play keyboards. <laughs> I'm trying to play keyboards better than him. Well, I'm just saying, but just to have you both on the same recording would be yeah. awesome. Just for, yeah. you know, posterity reasons. But well, and, and that's what's so weird. And I do feel bad about how all of that went down because it was really just like one day. It was just like, oh, like it's over. That's it. Like DJ's, I guess, I think his parents gave him kind of an ultimatum. And he's like, yeah, I just can't play it anymore. And then it was like, Ryan said, well, I kind of play drums. I could try it. And then just Ryan, Ryan is, you know, much better musician now than he was at the time. But it was, we had, <laughs> we had Frenchie filling in for Ryan. And then it was just, Frenchie was just not, not good at guitar. And Ryan wasn't good at guitar to begin with. Like, it was like, I wasn't good at guitar. Ryan wasn't good at guitar. And then we're all just like taking a step down and just like, okay, like, what are we doing? Like, I, I, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Like, you know, dismissed project is, is over. And then and that was just, it. Yeah. And that was <laughs> it. And then just like, I just remember the last time. I don't think we were ever all in the same room ever again. I moved to an apartment in 2012 and then I asked Tom if he would help me move in. And that was just like, I just was just tricking him. I was already moved in because DJ was there. Not that they like hated each other, but it was just kind of like a surprise. And then Tom or not. Yeah. Tom Ryan and I, we went to the movies one day, like all day, one day. And then that was it. That was the last time. Like, but none of us have been in the same room since. Um, I haven't seen Ryan probably. I think the last time I, I saw him was that time Tom, uh, Ryan and I went to the movies and then, um, ah, no, no, no. I saw him. I saw him one time after that, I was trying to do another project and I asked him if he'd play drums and then we did it for one day. And then he was just like, yeah, I'm more interested in the other stuff. And then I didn't really speak to him after that. And, uh, I would 
try to talk to Tom as regularly as possible. DJ was a little more elusive just because he was busy. Like he was playing baseball and he was like never in the state. But like Tom had been on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, to, to, uh, yeah, yeah. Tom, Tom and Sam had been to my house where we played werewolf. Like we had a barbecue. <laughs> like, you know, I, I tried to keep in touch with most of these people, but it was just kind of sad how it all ended because it didn't conclude. It was just, it just like stopped because <laughs> we, we really did deserve a record. And I, I think people would have wanted to hear it because we had a bunch of songs and we had the means to do it. We just, we didn't have the knowledge for what to do. Like, you know, ev- everybody's like this, like, take what I know now, put it in me then. Like, well, I tell you, oh, look out <laughs> world. But that was kind of the learning process is just, we just didn't know anything. And we could have been so much better at what we did. But, and that's the ultimate problem I have with the black metal scene is there's this weird attitude that you have to like exist in this insulary ether where no one knows what you do or how to reach you. Like, like you said, like the rock star aspect gone with the social media where the black metal thing is kind of like this weird perversion of it where it's like, I'm not a rock star, but in the back of their mind, you know, they all think that they're the coolest and smartest person in the world. And it's so annoying. And I do regret doing most of that stuff because really it was, it was fun to paint my, my face and, and put a noose <laughs> on and wear boots up to my knees. It, like the performance aspect was fun, but just the attitude that came with it is so stupid. It's so counterproductive. Like it's, it's literally like, look how negative I am. Like, I bet I can have less friends than you, but that makes me cool. So I'll have more friends. That's really all it is. Like you get some people that aren't LARPing, but they're just mentally ill. And, and I mean that there are a lot of people in like the play black metal that are just straight up crazy, but most of it, it's just a LARP. And I've, I've done a little, let's take a, a little bit of changes to the songs that I wrote. Uh, I'll, I'll send you uh, the first three, the rough tracks. And then I think you'll, you'll immediately notice how it's different but it's just a subtle little change where I, and I'm not calling it black metal because I think there's a performative element to it that is just counterproductive because sure. I believe in unity. We, we need to be united. We don't need to, it's not a race to see how misanthropic you can be. That's so stupid. I agree, man. I'm looking forward to hearing this stuff. I, I look forward to just hearing what you have coming up and, and especially now that you're like kind of stepping back your toes back into the water here with music in general is really exciting, you know, cause I don't know. I would love to see my buddy play on stage one of these days again. You know, I know you're doing, you were doing the comedy thing for a while and whatnot, but you know, music wise, I'm looking forward to it just to seeing my buddy play on stage again, you know, and it'd be nice to reconnect with some of these people. Like you're mentioning Tom, I haven't seen Tom in 15 years, you know? Yeah, so it's exactly, it's, it's like, these people are just, I might even still know. have his number. <laughs> I well, here's yeah. a, the, like the weird thing about Tom is like, I kind of stopped being friends with Tom, but I kept being friends with his sister. It was, it was like the weirdest thing. 
Well, it, it, it all comes full circle eventually, but, um, Lucas, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Let's definitely do a part two relatively soon. I'd love to bring you back oh, on and sure. talk more stuff. You know, it seems like we have a lot of in common when it comes to music and, and political reasons and stuff. So hopefully we won't dive too much into that stuff publicly, but if it happens, it, it's just one of those things. Ever, it's deal happen. with it. If yeah, you don't exactly. like it, deal with it. Grow up. Exactly. You're an exactly. adult. Exactly. But Lucas, I want to thank you very much again for coming on the show. Now, where can people find any of these, these re-recordings that you're doing? Now the re-recordings, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they're going to be on Bandcamp. I'm just, I'm going to put them out there. I'm going to make it as available as possible. I do not really have any social media now. I love it, man. And and of course you can probably find you at what? Masago or something like that. Well, Sorry. just Masago left. Masago. <laughs> I love it. So for those of you who don't know, go back and watch the DJ episode. Now for another episode of Poppets Corner, guys, we're out of here. Cheers. <laughs>